Welcome to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast, where you can learn about the innovative ideas and technologies reshaping the healthcare industry. Join over 150,000 monthly readers and listeners all over the world. Each week, we sit down with some of the most brilliant minds in healthcare to learn what the future holds. The Healthcare Weekly Podcast, healthcare innovation starts here. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. I'm Coach Marcy, CEO of Digital Authority Partners and Healthcare Weekly. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Julie Charlstein. She's the CEO at Premier Dental Products, a company that develops and manufactures innovative solutions for dentists around the world. Julie, thank you so much for joining the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Hello, Kodron. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to speak with you. Absolutely. I mean, reality is I personally don't know a lot about what happens in a dental office and what are some of the innovations that could be put forth to optimize, streamline, and ultimately make the practice of dentistry better and more effective. So I'm looking forward to learning more about it. Great. Well, unfortunately, you're not alone. Most people really don't realize that the dentist offices are almost like mini tech centers. And there's a lot of technology and a lot of innovation that they're using and that are touching their patients. Things like cone beam x-rays, those are those panoramic x-rays that go all around your head. CAD cam technologies where they're able to do full digitizations of your mouth. Smart materials. So, actual products and materials that are incorporated with different molecular type of technologies. So there is a lot to look at at dental offices and a lot to benefit from being a patient. So what are some of the trends in terms of technology innovation in the dental office? Like what are, let's say, top three? So a lot of things that are happening, a lot of digitization, which comes actually in the orthodontic market with digital aligners, clear aligners. So that's very much software driven. Again, we're also seeing things like CAD CAM, which is the digitization of the mouth so that the patient and the doctor can really see the full plane of what's happening in the oral cavity and then translating that to how they should place a crown or an implant or even to mill the crown in the office so that things don't have to get sent to the lab. So you're seeing like one visit dentistry. And then of course, there's always, again, the smart materials. So one example is microencapsulation technology. That's something that Premier has developed and is out there. So it's teeny tiny little microcapsules in materials that elute different chemistries to strengthen teeth. So we're seeing it, things really across the board. So what about adoption of these technologies? It seems like there's a lot of things that could be leveraged in one way or another, but what about the adoption of these technologies across the board? Is it common? Is it an optimal battle? I think you see a mix kind of with anything in terms of technologies. You have your early adapters and then ones that kind of come on with the general population and then ones that are slower to adapt. But with these new technologies, we are seeing an increase of their being brought into the office faster than it had been in the past. It used to take a little bit longer to get from that cycle from the early adopters to the others, but now we're seeing that trend increase. Your company sells specific products, but also you manufacture some in-house, right? Yes. Can you talk about what are your flagship products that dental professionals should know about? Absolutely. So one of our main products is a product called Traxident which is a hemostatic and retraction solution. So what that is, and we were talking about kind of innovations, this is definitely an innovation in terms of materials. So typically when you need a crown on your tooth, the dentist does what's called prep the tooth. 
So they need to retract the gum away from the tooth and they need to shape the tooth a little bit, cut a little bit of tooth off. And to do that, they typically used a hemostatic agent, a liquid, and then put a cord in to pull the gums back. So what Traxident does is it's actually a clay that's extruded very thinly, and that goes around the tooth, and that serves as both. It's also a hemostatic agent, and it's also a retraction system. So what that does, obviously, ease of use for the operator, it's faster also, and it's more comfortable for the patient. So that's one example. Another technology that's used in the office and has actually increased even in popularity since COVID-19 is a product of ours, which is called AeroPro. And that is a cordless hygiene handpiece. So when you go to the dentist, the hygienist polishes your teeth. It's the professional tooth cleaning. And that's when you leave with your mouth feeling fantastic and nice and bright and gleaming. So this is a handpiece that's actually cordless. And what that does is it avoids the drag for the hygienist. So there's less fatigue. There's not an issue with the cord laying over the patient. And also this type of polishing produces less aerosols. So that's been a great product for us also. Excellent. So Julie, the dental profession, the way I understand it, and that's a very limited understanding, it's mostly from what I've seen driven by men. And I find it very exciting to see yourself as a woman in this profession running a company in the dental space because it's very atypical as far as I've seen so far. So how did you end up working in this space and at this company? (laughs) Well, it's interesting because the dentist themselves is very much women. We're seeing dental schools graduating 50-50 men to women, and we're seeing that in the workforce as well. In terms of companies within the dental industry, you are correct. They're largely run by men. (laughs) There's always room to change that, but there are certainly lots of companies with women in their leadership ranks in addition to mine. I was actually looking at our org structure today, working on something else, and half of our leadership team is women. So the way that I got into the dental industry is the very sexy nepotism. Premier Dental is actually a family business. I am the fourth generation leader. So Premier is 107 years old. So I actually worked outside of the industry first and then came into Premier as a product manager and then worked my way up and eventually became CEO. Excellent. Product manager, that's how I started my career. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, 12 years ago. It's a great place to start because you really learn many of the ins and outs, not just of the product, obviously, but of the organization, the processes, etc. So I thought it was a good start and it looks like it was for you also. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you get exposed to every single part of the business and figure out how they all kind of come together in a very complex puzzle. Correct. Yeah, it's very cool. It's funny when I'm in meetings, we'll be talking about some products and one will be the product that I was the product manager of. Obviously, there are different people there now than were there then. And I'd say, oh, well, you know, this, this and that. And they're like, why do you even know that about this product? I was like, oh, I was the product manager. (laughs) That's great. So what was the product that you worked on? The first product that I worked on were something called ultrasonic inserts. Those are also used by hygienists to clean teeth. Sometimes hygienists use just static hand instruments that you're very familiar with. And then sometimes they use these ultrasonic inserts, which are instruments that basically get plugged in and vibrate and utilize water and use that to clean the teeth. That's complex, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Again, 
very limited <laughs> knowledge of the of the industry. And it does seem to be a very different career path, if you will, to science. You know, you study political science. Obviously, yeah. dentistry is a, <laughs> is a change in career, if you will. Yes, yes. My undergrad was in the very useful political science and Judaic language and literature. <laughs> so I worked in D.C. in the political arena for a bit. And then I went to graduate school for business. And then I worked outside of the industry. I worked in telecom for a while. And then my father started calling me. What are you doing? What's your deal? And I'm like, well, what's your deal? <laughs> so started then having conversations and really learning more about the industry and learning more about Premier, our company, from the outside. And that's when I eventually decided to come in again as the product manager originally, a product manager. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I major in political science and anthropology and I always say oh, like I majored in nothing. <laughs> you know? exactly. I majored in nothing. Just happened to be at the University of Chicago, so it was easy to get a job after that. But what yeah, I well, studied, exactly. what I, did I mean, today, you know, you were doing it in a pretty great place. <laughs> so can you tell me, because it's very interesting, you know, like, so you went from product manager to other roles in the company, and then you became the CEO. How was it to become the CEO? And like, in the first day you got there, and like, you just got real, right? Like, how right. did you decide what are the priorities to focus on and the initiatives to work on? Well, as we were talking about before, when you come into a business at that level as a product manager, it gives you the opportunity to really learn a lot about the business. So that was my foundation. And then from there, I became responsible for all of the product managers, which again, give me different insights and perspectives. Then I worked on business development, and then I became president. So all of those different experiences gave me different insights as to what the organization needed and what it didn't need. So it was a great platform to then become CEO because I had a real understanding not only of the business, but also of the industry. So that is what informed me to make those top decisions and initiatives. What was I going to do first? And one of the main things that I did first actually was an outpouring of a funny kind of personal experience. So Premier is a business-to-business business. <laughs> so we sell through distribution, large companies that you might have heard of like Henry Schein or Patterson, and then they sell to the dentist. So the way that the business used to be, and when I say the business, I mean industry overall, it was very much a collaborative relationship between the manufacturer, us, and the distributor in terms of the relationship with the dentist. So Everything was being built together. Our brands were being built through the distributor, etc. And as the distributors became larger and there were more technologies and products that were coming on, there was less of an opportunity for each individual manufacturer's products to be focused on. So that was always something that I was thinking about in terms of how do we gain that focus? How do we gain that relevance? How do we gain the mind share of the market? And I was always thinking about how are we going to do that? And it was galvanized for me when I was actually out in my yard one day. <laughs> we had recently gotten dogs and the yard was fenced in. So when people were walking their dogs, we would always let their dogs in for like doggy play dates. And so you would have like small talk with whatever the people, what do you do? And so one guy walked by, what do you do? I'm a dentist. I was like, oh my God, great. I can talk to someone, not about like poop bags and leashes or whatever. So I said, oh, I'm with Premier Dental. And there was a little bit of a pause. And then I started 
listing our brand. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. And that was when I realized, okay, that has to be the first initiative. And that's going to be how we gain that relevance. So there's going to be kind of a two-step process. One is going to be recreating the brand so that we're connecting directly to the dentist as premier, not just as product. And with that, becoming data-driven and consumer-led. So those were the two largest initiatives. And again, that's where we had talked about this a little bit before, where AI came in, that really important piece of data-driven and consumer-led. And that's really what's been driving our journey since then. What type of data does your company collect and how is the data leveraged in the process of creating your products or optimizing current ones? Lots of data. <laughs> there are certain industry data that we collect. So looking at market share overall, market share in certain categories, market share of certain products, then that broken down into regions, states, etc. Then we also collect data from what's happening in the field very granularly with our sales reps what they're experiencing in the dental offices. Then we also collect data from our distributors in terms of transactional data. So which of our products were sold by them to which specific dentist? And we have other sources as well. What that does for us from the sales standpoint, we utilize predictive analytics for things like, okay, Dr. Jones bought Traxident, so she's really an optimal candidate to then buy Striper. So that's how we use the data in that way. We also use things for product development, what trends are out there based on that industry information that we saw that plays into product development. And then also different characteristics of certain products. If the product has X, Y, and Z, will a dentist be more likely to buy it if it has A, B, and C. And other ways that we use data is certainly in marketing with marketing drivers with specific targeting, mirroring, things like that. So it seems that a lot of the data collection is around sales enablement and personalization, yes. which is awesome. What about using data to like, improve a product, like how people are using it or are they using it correctly? So that's done in a number of ways. One is kind of with AI and digitally. So we would put in characteristics of a product. So let's say we're developing a core material or we have a core material and we want to improve it. So we put information into a system that says, okay, if it has these characteristics, what's the percentage of likelihood for adaptation? If we change these characteristics to be a combination of these, then what does that look like? So that's one way. Another way that we use data in terms of product development is a very different type of data, and that's just interpersonal. So obviously, we have boards of dentists and hygienists, and we utilize their insights for product development, either for something completely new, a completely new innovation, or iterative. There's no shortage of data out there. It's just a question of how it's sliced and then turned into actionable insights. Correct. That's the, the hard part. <laughs> That's correct. For a very long time in the dental industry, there were data available, but no one was using them because no one knew what to do with it. So that thankfully has evolved, but that's definitely a trend that we've seen to your point. So earlier you mentioned how you do a lot of your sales through distributors. And the question that was in the back of my mind is like, usually when something like this happens, it's very difficult to get a end-to-end -end feedback loop. Like you may see sales data, but you may not necessarily know, like, are people using this or are you using it as intended? 
Are they using it in all the different ways that we've built this product? You know, the usual product manager questions. So I was curious how you work around that. So the relationship with the distributor is, yes, they sell our product. It's an operational. Obviously, there's a lot of marketing, a lot of collaboration and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's an operational transaction between the dealer and the dentist. So everything around that in terms of how the products are being used, what we're seeing, that comes to us from a lot of different ways. We obviously have sales reps that report back to us. You were talking about usage. You can see that based on purchasing trends and also, quite frankly, complaints and also the transactional data that we do get from distributors. And then on a broader scale, though not really kind of myopically in terms of the usage, you can get some trends from the industry data. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, do you guys have, let's say, a a group of dentists that you may just show the products right away, independent of the distributors? Like, I'm curious more about the product development cycle of how you develop and manufacture new products and how that works. Sure. Well, we have a whole process (laughs) called NPR, the New Product Review. And that's really the beginning, the genesis of our process. And it really looks at a couple of things. We look at holes in the marketplace, or we look at innovative technologies that are available or things that we can create. And we look at that all together in terms of, okay, is there a need? Can we create a need? Is the technology viable from all different areas? Is it something that we're going to completely create from scratch? Is there just a patent and we're going to have to create it? And then all of those things come into consideration. And based on all of that, we actually have a scoring system to ascertain, okay, which ones are we going to now take through to development, whether they be, again, completely from jump or whether it's a product that we're just going to private label and tweak a little bit. And based on where it is on the life cycle, we obviously have different processes and loving the Gantt charts, Microsoft project and things like that to map out all the various things that need to be done. And throughout that process, we have dentists and hygienists on staff that obviously are giving their insights, but then there are also communications with dentists that are close to us, ones on our boards, others that are just kind of in the dental universe. So we're getting different perspectives. And then once we're in a prototype phase, then we're at a point, obviously, where we can put something in dentists and hygienists' hands to touch and feel and then make additional modifications based on their feedback. So are you working on any current projects that you can talk about, particularly some that may leverage different types of technologies? What's on the roadmap? (laughs) Well, yes, we are. (laughs) That's, I'm sure, with most of your guests. Innovation definitely is the lifeblood. And we have a couple of products that we're working on, which represent different stages that I talked to you about. So some that were starting from the very beginning, others that we've seen the concepts and that we're kind of taking to the end, but all that will be very in need and exciting in the marketplace mostly in the restorative field of dentistry. Gotcha. So as we come closer to the end of the podcast, what I like to do with all my guests is kind of to contemplate about the existing technology trends that may impact how they're doing business over the next five to 10 decades. What do you think are the biggest trends that would ultimately shape what your company is going to look like over the next decade? I think one of the biggest things actually is data 
and how we are able to cultivate and manipulate and utilize that data for all of the areas that we're talking about, whether it be product development or predictive analytics for sales drivers or communications. I think that's going to really be a shaper in terms of technologies that are being used in the dentist offices. Those are constantly changing. I think for Premier, it's going to be focused mostly on smart materials because that's where we focus. We're doing the consumables. So that's where our focus is going to be in terms of actual product innovation. So you mentioned, you know, like four generations of leaders in your family. And of course, as we all know, a lot has changed over the last 100 years in terms of how we do business, how we interact with each other how we do dentistry. I don't even know, like 20, 30 years ago, the idea of an implant was not even on the table. Correct. What would surprise you? Like if 20 years from now, you look back and like, okay, this is something that happened. I didn't think it was going to happen. Or like, I'm trying to figure out like, if we were to look towards the actual devices and the actual delivery of dentistry services, what should we get excited as and consumers? I want to make sure I'm understanding the question. So kind of in 20 years, what can the patient be expecting to see and different things to be excited about? Yeah. Well, I think there are lots of, especially consumer-facing things, things that the patient are familiar with, really from an aesthetic standpoint, even though they contain a lot of technology. So one great example of that is the clear aligners that we were talking about and the moving of the teeth through digitization. So I'm sure that we'll see more development along that realm. Also things as simple as almost whitening, again, that patients can relate to, that they see an actual result. There's a lot of technology that goes into that, which has to do with how quickly can you whiten your teeth? How white can you get your teeth? What material am I going to have to put on to whiten my teeth? And then things that the patient doesn't necessarily see, but there are clinical benefits in terms of materials well, how can I make my teeth stronger? How can I make sure that I have my teeth longer? How can I make sure that I don't have sensitive teeth? So lots of technologies that are going into these materials that allow you to have longevity of your smile, which really is of ultimate and incredible importance. Oral health is very, very important. So all these new technologies within these materials are allowing you to be healthier and look better. That put a smile on my face just thinking about all these awesome <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> well, great. Thank you. You got to make your dentist appointment now and we're done. For sure. For sure. Well, <laughs> Julie Charleston, <laughs> thank you so much for joining the Healthcare Weekly podcast today. I wish you all the best to you and your company. And we're excited to see uh, what other new technologies your team is going to uh, release to the market. Well, thank you, Kodrin. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate your taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for listening to the Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to visit us at healthcareweekly.com. Subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app to get a notification every time a new episode is released. Do you know of an inspirational health leader who should be on our podcast? Email us at hello at healthcareweekly.com with details. Healthcare Weekly Podcast. Healthcare innovation starts here.